The notions of mystery stories, spirituality, science, love, and mysticism are not always thought of nowadays as compatible. Yet for ages, and still today, all of these have played a vital role in the way we relate to the world around us and how we conceive of our lives. Wise men and women of all times have asked many of the same questions and sought answers from within and without. This is one such quest, to find the hidden story of how it all fits together. To begin, let us turn to Italy of the 14th century and one of its most celebrated writers. Already I could feel my being turned, instinct and intellect balanced equally, as in a wheel whose motion nothing jars, moved by the love that moves the sun and the other stars. Thus is completed the great journey of the brilliant poet and mystic Dante in the last canto of his Paradiso. His journey began in darkness and confusion as he describes in Canto One of the Inferno. He says, Midway in our life's journey I went astray from the straight road and woke to find myself alone in a dark wood. In this way, Dante moves step by step inward to experience in symbolic terms the various states of humanity and of his own spirit. Although the ancient Roman poet Virgil leads him through the inferno and purgatory, when Dante ascends to the higher realms of paradise, he must be led by a figure of the beloved, Beatrice. Her very name, Beatrice, means the one who brings happiness. Under her tutelage, Dante finds at the heart of reality the multifoliate rose of eternity, ever-changing, ever the same. And at its heart, he finds the mystery of love, the love that moves the sun and the other stars, and which moves all of us. There is a secret history of the world, yet it is a secret hidden in plain sight. This history is written in every atom and molecule of our beings and in the greatest galaxies. It is concealed within the fleeting photons of light and in the face of a newborn at her mother's breast. This secret history of the world is not just any story. It is a love story. Or perhaps better put, it is the love story. All of the work of the mystics down through the ages and all of the work of the initiates and great masters overflows with this love. Now everything we can say or think about these mysteries is a symbol, for no words can capture the fullness of its meaning. But speak and think we must, for it is the way we have here on this plane of existence to express ourselves and to work things out. This story is also most definitely a mystery. But mysteries are to be solved, and we will be searching assiduously for the one who done it, as fictional sleuths would say. This is a mystery at the heart of being, and it is our story. The divine, however each of us conceives of this, the grand architect of the universe, the cosmic intelligence, the ground of being, the Ein Sof, and so many other names, the divine has been loving us throughout eternity. The triune concepts of light, 
life, and love bear witness to this. There are many ways of following the trail to discover this mystery of love. Ancient philosophers and sages of many lands discovered a truth which makes this possible. As above, so below. The universe is holographic. The whole is manifested in each of its parts, no matter how small or how large. There is an organic and unbreakable connection between all creation and creation's model and source. Therefore, if we begin in any place, contemplating what is around us and within us, we can begin step by step to return to the source of being. This is true because all that is around us and within us has flowed from one eternal source. The paradox of the nameless and unknowable becoming manifest is perhaps the deepest mystery of them all. The ancient Chinese Tao Te Ching sings of this. The Tao that can be told of is not the absolute Tao. The names that can be given are not absolute names. The nameless is the origin of heaven and earth. The named is the mother of all things. Therefore, oftentimes one strips oneself of passion in order to see the secret of life. Oftentimes, one regards life with passion in order to see its manifest forms. These two, the secret and its manifestations, are in their nature the same. They are given different names when they become manifest. They may both be called the cosmic mystery, reaching from the mystery into the deeper mystery. For this is the gate to the secret of all life. This is the ultimately transcendent, transcending even its own transcendence, to overflow in great torrents of being and of love. As that which is beyond being and non-being emanates the cosmos from its overflowing self, the many forms begin to grow and change, evolving slowly. And love is manifested at each stage of this evolution. The subatomic forces are this love at its most basic level, causing particles to interact and combine to form ever larger and more complex manifestations. The subatomic forces are this love at its most basic, causing particles to interact and combine to form ever larger and more complex manifestations. In each case, the lover, the beloved, and love itself are all icons, symbols, images of the one from which they spring. At the quantum level, we are now discovering strange and wonderful ways in which forces are manifested, which scientists did not even know existed before. For example, there are pairs of tiny entangled particles whose motions are matched with each other, even when separated by a considerable distance. When one particle's motion is changed, the other particle changes its motion appropriately and instantly. Einstein called this spooky action at a distance, but viewed symbolically, these phenomena also appear to be steps in a great dance. 
in which loving partners know the position of the beloved at all times and always respond accordingly. And this is true at all levels of being, from the smallest to the greatest, because everything manifests its origin in its own fashion. The Mahayana Buddhist tradition speaks of this universal connection with the mind of awakening in these terms from the Supreme Source. I am the core of all that exists. I am the seed of all that exists. I am the cause of all that exists. I am the trunk of all that exists. I am the foundation of all that exists. I am the root of existence. I am the core because I contain all phenomena. I am the seed because I give birth to everything. I am the cause because all comes from me. I am the trunk because the ramifications of every event sprout from me. I am the foundation because all abides in me. I am called the root because I am everything. And in another time and place, the 13th century Islamic Sufi mystic Ibn Arabi discloses this. It is the one who is revealed in every face, sought in every sign, gazed upon by every eye, worshipped in every object of worship, and pursued in the unseen and the visible. Not a single one of Allah's creatures can fail to find Allah in its primordial and original nature. During the 20th century, a way of talking about this unfolding involution and evolution became known as the universe story. Based in science, spirituality, and history, Father Thomas Berry and physicist Dr. Brian Swim have been two important voices bringing this mythos to modern ears and hearts. The story they tell is a familiar one to us as mystics. Here is a passage from the universe story that begins to explain the mystery. There is eventually only one story, the story of the universe. Every form of being is integral with this comprehensive story. Nothing is itself without everything else. Each member of the earth community has its own proper role within the entire sequence of transformations that have given shape and identity to everything that exists. From its original flaring forth through the shaping of the galaxies, the elements, the earth, its living forms, the human mode of being, then on through the course of human affairs, this is not the story of a mechanistic, essentially meaningless universe, but the story of a universe that has from the beginning had its mysterious, self-organizing power, that if experienced in any serious manner, must evoke an even greater sense of awe than that evoked in earlier times at the experience of the dawn breaking over the horizon, the lightning storms crashing over the hills, 
or the night sounds of the tropical rainforests. For it is out of this story that all of these phenomena have emerged. The goal of this flaming forth, this path into manifestation, has been to evolve a universe that can gaze at itself in awe, in wonder, and in love. As gazing upon itself, the cosmos cannot fail to see the face of the one from whom all emanates, and who is reflected in the smallest subatomic particle and the largest galaxy. The very word cosmos itself comes from Greek roots, meaning both orderly and adornment. It represents both the order of the universe and its exciting and lovely aspect. As anyone knows who has been lucky enough to experience the divine madness we call love, the fire of love ultimately has nothing to do with what the beloved can do for me, what things we have in common, etc. Finally, through the effects of a heady mixture of forces on the physical, psychic, and spiritual levels, all we have to do is to hear our beloved's voice, or see their form, or even notice something that belongs to them, and we are filled with the warmth of love. Now, this is certainly not to deny the hard work and sacrifice that relationships take, but our relationships are a response to that love we feel on all levels of our being. Robert Farrar Capone explains that God simply gazes at creation and is fully in love, even though the transcendent being has no need in the strict sense of anything. And creation, in return, is head over heels in love with the source of its being, in the image of which everything that is was made. In this manner of love, we experience, in our own way and according to our own modality, what atoms and planets experience, and what moves the molecules and galaxies. Therefore, to describe as love the gaze of the unnameable toward the cosmic adornment of its manifest forms, and the enraptured gaze of the whole cosmos upon its source within its own heart is not some kind of anthropomorphizing, but rather it is simply using the best analogy we have from what we know, what we experience, which is how the Rosicrucian method always proceeds, as the primordial tradition has always done. In the 1960s novel and film, The Shoes of the Fisherman, a character, Father Telemont, who is clearly modeled on the Jesuit mystic Pierre Teilhard Chardin, explains this dramatically in a scene from his trial before a board of theologians. He finally makes his position clear. Even if I were to lose my faith in the church and my faith in Jesus Christ, I would believe in the world. It is in all of creation, and it is in all of creation, and within our very selves, that we can see the evidence of the source of all being. Totally enamored of the divinity we see reflected in the cosmic whole, we might be tempted to think that this is the end of the story. The beloved have found one another, and all will be well. All will be well. All manner of things will be well, as Juliana of Norwich wrote in the 15th century. 
But the dance is not over yet. Throughout human history, behind and through every human spirituality, myth, and religion, the source of all has been calling to us, whispering to us from within our deepest selves. In the beauty of open groves, in the majesty of great temples, and in the silence of our private oratories. The 13th century Sufi mystic Ibn Arabi speaks of this growing awareness in these terms. Allah, speaking through the prophet, said, My servant comes close to me with the worship of good works until I love him. And when I love him, I become the hearing in his ears. I become the sight in his eyes. I become the words on his tongue. I become the hands with which he holds. I become the strength of every part of his being. And when you come to know yourself, you will be sure that you neither exist nor do not exist, whether now or before or in the future. Then the meaning of la 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 la, there is no God but Allah, there is no being but His, nor any other except Him, and He is the only one. This will become clear to you. Earlier, in the second century Gospel of Mary Magdalene, the Master Jesus teaches his favorite disciple that all nature, all formations, all creatures exist in and with one another, and they will be resolved again into their own roots. For the nature of matter is resolved into the roots of its own nature. Let those who have ears to hear, let them hear. For the dance of love has only just begun, the great dance of involution and evolution imaged in virtually all world spiritualities. Here are just a few examples of this dance of love manifested throughout the world. In ancient Egypt, we see the eternal cycle of life, death, and rebirth imaged by the journey of the sun in its golden bark each day. In Hinduism, we venerate the steps of creation and destruction danced by Shiva. In Christianity, we celebrate the perichoresis, or great round dance, of the three persons of the Trinity. And we celebrate angelic and earthly hierarchies described by Dionysius the Areopagite. In Christianity, we celebrate the perichoresis, or great round dance, of the three persons of the Holy Trinity. And we celebrate the angelic and earthly hierarchies described by Dionysius the Areopagite. In Sufi Islam, the dance is made literal by the mystic dervishes, for whom the dance is understood as the doorway to wisdom. And in Jewish mysticism, Kabbalah and the Tarot, we retrace the lightning flash down the tree of life and the return through the 32 paths of wisdom. The image of the fool shows us that the center of the dance is everywhere, everywhere at once. Another example of the holographic nature of reality. In addition to these, consider the many other examples you have seen in your own journeys. As we have proceeded outward from the source, so now we, 
and all the cosmos through us are on the path of return. But lovers do not desire this. Who among us does not desire not only to gaze upon the beloved, but to be in complete union with the one we love? This is the secret hidden in plain sight throughout all human spiritualities, as so many attest, such as Athanasius of Alexandria who taught God became human so that humans might be divine, or Plotinus, the great teacher of Neoplatonism, whose last words from his deathbed were reported to be, Strive to bring back the God in yourselves to the God in the all. Or Hinduism's all-pervasive, all is Atman, which is Brahman. There are many paths to accomplish this goal of union with the divine, but the result will be the same. Gregory Palamas, a 14th century Greek bishop, describes the ongoing divinization of the great Essene initiate Mary, the mother of the Master Jesus, in these words from his homily on the Dormition. This theosis or deification is held out to all of us as the goal for all being. Gregory Palamas says, She is a blending of all perfections, divine, angelic, and human, a sublime beauty adorning two worlds, lifted up from earth to heaven, and even transcending that. She is the boundary of created and uncreated nature. She has crossed the frontier which separates us from the age to come. All of this imagery is trying to get at the central mystery, the multifoliate rose, the divine unity to which we aspire no matter what we call it, the Christ state, the Buddha state, the rose-qua state, or cosmic consciousness. Perhaps the most important thing to remember is a lesson taught by the Gnostics many centuries ago. There are two kinds of knowledge illustrated by the two different Greek words for knowing. Edenai is much like the French savoir or the Spanish saber. It is to know facts about something. For example, I know the earth has one moon, or I know that Rosicrucian Park is in San Jose. But gnosis is more like the French connaître or the Spanish connoisseur. It means to be familiar with, to be acquainted with, or to have experience of personally. Examples might include, I know Rosicrucian Park very well, or I know my friends, or I know my beloved. While the first kind of knowledge is useful and good, it is this second intimate knowledge that is the gnosis sought by all mystics, ancient and modern. Consistent in all traditions leading to the realization of this inner gnosis, however, is the inescapable truth that we must participate in order to understand. In the Gnostic Acts of John, Jesus tells his disciples during an initiatory dance that those who dance not know not what we are knowing. There can be no disinterested onlookers in this mystery of love. Commitments must be made. The ultimate result of this inner knowledge is a birth, the result of love. In the wedding chamber of my heart, I am united to the divine Sophia, the divine wisdom. From this, the Logos, 
the pattern of all things, is revealed at the core of my being, the natural outpouring of this alchemical marriage. Rosicrucians and other mystics seek this alchemical wedding in order to climb the ladder of being, using the time-tested tools and methods offered to us by the sages of the past, from the Pythagoreans and Neoplatonists, the mystery schools and initiatic paths, hermitists and Gnostics, Kabbalists and Templars, and a whole great cloud of witnesses. These practices can be some of the many meanings symbolized by light, life, and love. Light symbolizes the learning that we undertake, learning about the physical, psychic, and spiritual realms from the ancient traditions and modern studies. It is the discovery of the hidden mystery through means of our minds and hearts. Life represents our traditional practices, meditations, and exercises on the levels of body, psyche, and spirit, the way the secret unfolds at each level of our being. And love can be an image of the service to our brothers and sisters and to our whole world, an indispensable part of mysticism. It is the way in which we participate most fully in the great dance. This aspect of service is so important that the Roman Emperor Julian II, the emperor who attempted to revive the old religion in the Mediterranean during the late 4th century, told his Greco-Roman priests that service was essential if their spiritual path was to prosper. He wrote to them, Accustom those of the Greek religion to such benevolence, teaching them that this has been our work from ancient times. Do not, therefore, let others outdo us in good deeds while we ourselves are disgraced by laziness. Rather, let us not abandon our piety toward the gods. I propose now that we undertake a series of meditations on these three symbols of light, life, and love. And then finally, on the love that moved the sun and the other stars. This is the dance of love of that which is above, corresponding to that which is below. Now please sit comfortably, feet upon the floor, and hands unclasped on the knees. Breathe deeply three times. Then return to regular, natural breathing. Let us begin by intoning the vowel sound OM three times. Now close your eyes.
consider light the learning that we undertake about the physical, psychic, and spiritual realms, and how you have grown through your study and learning. Feel how your mind and heart naturally reach out to the mystery of the cosmos. Now consider life, your traditional practices, meditations and exercises on the levels of body, psyche and spirit, and how these have evolved in you. Feel the secret unfolding throughout your being. consider love, service to our brothers and sisters, and to our entire world, and how this has been transformative in your life. Feel the rhythms of the great dance around you and within you, and dance with its current of love.
Now place yourself in a receptive state and open yourself to being moved by the love which moves the sun and the other stars. May we always follow the path of light, life, and love to be united to the great dance of love in every day and every hour unto the ages of ages. In this way, we will not only learn about but fully participate in the mystery of love, the secret history of the world, and that love that moves the sun and the other stars.